This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufall. Today, joined, as usual, by Steve Mareska and Matt Fasaro. Uh, and we've got a special guest today, uh, Max lamoth Brassard, the founder of Lima Charlie. Uh, Max, if, I, if I'm right, right, you've got a pretty long background in uh, sort of intelligence. You worked at CloudStrike. You worked at Google, um, right? You, so, so you've been in this information security and you know, data analytics and threat analytics space for a long time. I've never done anything else. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that makes you feel good. Uh, no, no other interest in that. <laughs> Very similar here, too. <laughs> yeah, some days it feels that way for sure. Um, so, it, Max, spend a couple minutes. You know, give us an overview uh, of Lima Charlie. I think you know, set the stage a little bit, maybe for you know some of this incident response and automation talk we're going to have. Sure thing. Sure thing. Um, what we do is we essentially take a security infrastructure approach to cybersecurity tools. Um, so what that means is everything we offer is self-serve, scale up, scale down, multi-tenant, API first, OEM friendly, you know, drop a credit card kind of thing, like you'd use AWS, really. So that's, that's the foundation. And then we have uh, primitives on top of that. So primitives for us is, you know, EDR, the ability to ingest uh, artifacts from uh, from endpoints. So that could be like forensic artifacts, could be memory dumps, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, ingest external logs from other sources, even other EDRs so we can bring, bring their data in um, where we have, you know, a, a, an engine to run rules over that, do retention, do visualization, all that good stuff. So it, it's really kind of taking, you know, a bunch of the tools that have been in cybersecurity for a long time and saying, well, you know, what if it, it, what if each individual tool wasn't, you know, a boxed thing that you buy and that you have to just use that way, but instead it was like AWS, right? Like APIs and, and being able to just integrate it all together. So uh, here, I'm going to really boil it down to its most basic uh, because I think, you know, uh, Matt, you and I were chatting and you said it's a, it's a tool for developers who write tools, right? Uh, and, and I think, you know, because we're always looking for ways to improve our processes to make the, the work that we're doing sort of faster, more repeatable, more scalable. Uh, I think that, I mean, in a, in a large part, that's what you're trying, that's what you're trying to build, right? A framework to allow people to actually sort of automate and improve what they do on a daily basis. That's right. It's kind of taking the learnings from from the DevOps side of things, right? And like IT and saying, hey, let, let's try to, there's some really good ideas in there. Let's try to adopt those and just make it easier to easier to get into the ecosystem as well, right? Which for incident response is a, is a pretty big thing where, you know, when you don't have to call up three different salespeople and talk over the next two months to get a three-year contract, like it's just drop a credit card, you just get going. Right. So this is near and dear to our heart, I think, because I joke regularly that security tools and platforms are are sort of the realm of broken dreams and unfulfilled promises, which is maybe unfair. But, you know, the data representations are all different across vendors, despite attempts to unify some sort of standardized representation. The the timelines, data retentions are all different. And we inevitably need to glue things together sometimes on the fly, especially during incident response, uh, in ways that are inelegant, but get the job done. So it's, you know, we're always trying to chase that elegant approach and 
sometimes unable to reach it. Yeah, it, it's it's a challenge, and and I think I mean I think it's going to get better too, right? We have things like Sigma, and like the industry is you know we're exactly. not alone to see that. I think the industry is also kind of uh, you know coming up and doing things like Sigma and Miter, and then slowly we're getting to this this you know this common way of seeing the landscape of you know cybersecurity. Yeah, it's it's been nice to see over the past couple of years how that's kind of coming together. Um, you know, tools consolidating and. and uh, quite honestly, just making frameworks that work well together. They, you know, kind of what Steve was talking about earlier. Yeah, it's it's near and dear to us because we we come from a networking background. Those were our first kind of uh, uh, working uh, experiences, right? And moving into security was pretty easy for the two of us. And <laughs> when we did, we saw the, the problems, right? That all the tools, they don't work very well together. It's really difficult to get data from one thing to another. Uh, when we were building a tool, that was kind of our chief concern, right? We wanted to make sure that uh, anything that we were using, we could send to somebody else so that they could use it as well, right? Um, I, th I think that was lost on a lot of the, the initial companies that uh, started creating security products, right? They, they really wanted to own the whole landscape, be that one solution, and it didn't really work very well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think, you know, my, the way that I see this, I think, um, I think it's a problem uh, that the best way to solve it is not to try to, uh, meaning let's not, you know, let's not pretend that somehow we're the only, the only kid on the block and therefore that the one format we have is going to be the universal thing and try to get everybody to come on board. I think, uh, you know, an approach that I've really liked and that we've liked and we've seen other people do really cool stuff like uh, Times that we, we did a, a webinar with them recently has kind of been to say, um, look, the like the, the deep model is not going to be unified, but uh, if we can at least agree on kind of very, very basic fundamentals like JSON and we can all agree that the way we're going to intercommunicate is going to be through something like JSON so that at least... Um, you know, yeah, it's not the one, you know, the, the utopia of like one model to rule them all, but at the very least, you're not blocked by the vendor. Um, because back in the day, you know, that'd be great. There's this one model, uh, but you got to file a ticket with the vendor and wait six months. Maybe they'll add the conversion, blah, blah, blah. So if it's JSON, at least you can know that at the end of the day, you're going to be able to move forward without, without the vendor, you know? Because yeah, I agree there. Uh, so for all practical matters, uh, you know, if you're in the field trying to use different vendors with different APIs, you will actually need to use multiple languages that aren't necessarily compatible with each other and do translations between different uh, different protocols, different data trans, uh, different data representations. I think that's the the crux of it. You're trying to reduce that individual overhead or the team overhead to make better use of platforms in a way that's not so painful to actually get the basics achieved. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. Yeah. One of the things that kind of drew me to, uh, to what you guys were building was uh, the opportunity to save time. Right. Um, you know, we, we talked about it on a previous podcast, how, you know, engineer burnout is a real problem. Right. And we're always looking for ways to make make our lives easier, frankly. Um, 
this seems to have that uh, that ability to save some time, right? Uh, put some automation in front of things. Uh, I know that when when we go and do incident response, or even just some of our our, our clients that are uh, more in a SOC type engagement, um, even little things can take a long time to investigate, to figure out root causes. Even just deploying tools sometimes can be a real pain. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's, you know, I think there's a, there as an incident responder or somebody doing security, right, you have a, there's like a, a hierarchy of value, I guess, <laughs> to put it really, I feel dirty saying that. It, uh, it's too it, it, but, it sounds good, though, when you say it, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And, and, you know, negotiating with a vendor is really, really low in that value stack. Um, or, you know, standing up an, an ELK cluster and getting JSON into that, again, it's really low. So that's what we try to focus on, right? We're not, uh, you know, I think that's the other part that I really enjoy about what we do is we're not an incident response shop. We're not an MSSP. We're not a threat intel company. Um, we really just, you know, aim for all those things that, aren't really high on the, on the, on that hierarchy of value of what you guys do. Um, and we just try to take those away from make it easier for you. Um, and what that means is we, and we, we just end up in this really kind of great relationship with, with all your, you uh, all our users where, uh, you know, when you go and you deploy at a customer, like we're, we're just, you know, like we've got your back and we're not, it's not like we're, you know, competing or we've got other side businesses where we try to get in and all these things. Like we, you know, at the end of the day, when you do an engagement, if it doesn't work out um, and you're month to month, you know, like we know right away. So we really like having this relationship where we're just trying to take the things that are not fun out of your job. <laughs> The, the the not fun part. I, I'm trying to think of if you could take all the not fun parts out of my job, that would be <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I always think back. I used to like I used to um, not so much like real incident like modern incident response, but I've done a lot of you know sort of MDR kind of space, and there's a lot of fun in there. Like right. there's a lot of really cool stuff to do, and, and if you can if you can abstract away the those those not fun parts. Um, you know, doing threat hunting. I don't think I've ever done anything as fun in my life as that. So, right. uh, you know. Yeah, the routine so, parts yeah, of trying to... by the time to... you get there, you're exhausted, right? right. <laughs> because you just, you just spent, you know, 48 hours trying to deploy software to a client that actually can't support, you know, mass deployment. So, you know, things like that that are just a, a drudgery. Yeah, that, that's going to be happening less and less, I hope, Right. Yeah. Fingers crossed. But until then, you know, we, we still dwell in the realm of masochism to some degree. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear a little bit about, you know, problems being solved. What, what specific stories do you have that, that are likely to resonate on that front? Sure. I, you know, I think we get a lot of folks using us for incident response. Um, so there's a lot of stories and the, the, the one thing we've learned is, you know, by working with a lot of different like MSSPs and IR firms and all that is everybody's a little bit different. Um, but what I really enjoy is uh, talking to some folks that have been able to, to like, yeah, cut down a lot of that, of that. And, and I'll put forward in a, you know, a scenario, like a representative scenario, right. Of, of how a lot of, of IR folks use it. So they're, they're able to, uh, you know, they get a phone call from somebody and like some of them have like 30 minute you know slas 
So it's really, you know, like the, the, the clock's really ticking when they're online. And uh, what they've been able to do with Lima Charlie is they've been able to say, um, hey, you know, let, let's think about what we do when we do an IR in terms of like a, a well-established process, right? Let's not just jump into it, but rather when we get an IR, you know, we need to deploy. Here's the things we need from that customer. Um, here's the order that we want to look at various things. Here's the things that we always want to happen when we get onto those customers. And so they've been able to kind of think about that. And then they build, they do their first IR with Lima Charlie. And um, they go in and, you know, they, they do the thing and they, they check all the boxes, they, they, you know, they run the IR. And then at the end, we're, hey, we're, we're able to, we, you know, we, we, we kind of show them how to, but to say, you know, all the things that you did, um, all that configuration stuff, you can kind of take it away and export it into a config file. Um, you know, infrastructure as code, it's kind of the, the big DevOps, you know, Terraform kind of thing. Um, so that their second IR, instead of going and configuring all the things, you know, going through a checklist, spending an hour, okay, now we have to go and collect those types of files from the customer and like synchronize with their IT team and all that. They're able to just go like push that, that config file to their Lima Charlie tenant so that their first step, yeah, is deploying like the agent, right, when it's EDR. But then all the steps after, all the stuff that's always the same is just automated. So the classic is, you know, they'll go and they'll say, okay, we want to collect every single raw Windows event log from the whole organization. Like we, we do a sweep. And so that they just automate that very simply. And they have rule sets, right? They use things like Sigma to, uh, to look for anomalies or, or bad things in those logs. And so as those artifacts come in, raw Windows event logs get parsed automatically. We alert the rules run on them. So they, get, they just get alerts. Like that, that's their only interaction. And then they go, okay, we also want live uh, uh, real-time Windows event logs. And so that's set up in the config. So they don't have to do anything. As soon as they deploy, they just start streaming with real-time Windows event logs. And then their signal rules that you know were on like the raw logs now operate on that as well. And so they kind of build up that stack over time where they go like, you know what, whenever we go to you know a customer and you know we detect that type of compromise, like you know, there's an auto run with an unsigned binary. We always just, you know, isolate the box from the network and then tag it with isolated so that like we, you know, quickly are able to identify that. And so they're just able to kind of start implementing that not as a checklist, but as a like push button go kind of thing. Yeah, I could see that bringing a lot more consistency to the process too, right? And that's a tough thing in this industry too. You're, you're trying to get uh, junior people involved in something complicated like incident response, this is a good way to do that, right? So you you already have your processes kind of, like you say, in code, right? Mm. So that can definitely make this much more accessible to people that may not may not have the experience to know, but like your example, right? We do this all the time with this particular situation. Well, put it in a rule and you know, we don't have to teach that to every single uh, responder, right? That's right. For, for newer, but, but even for senior like responders, I think it's useful because like the, 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 what was it? The, 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 the Mark one eyeball is just not that reliable. Right. Especially when you get called at like 4am and you're just like looking for the unsigned things in the process list, just 
the machine should be doing that for you, right? Like you, you, you take the output of that and then you reason about it. That's where you're, you're adding that value. Right. That, I mean, that's that analyst role, right? You want somebody who can legitimately look at it and, and make some determinations out of the complex data. Well, what I want to see here, in, in, instead of sh- sticking in the incident response discussion, is shifting to operational security. Mm. We have customers that want to take anomaly events from their network uh, traffic traversing internal networks and block them immediately in internal firewalls. They want to disable accounts automatically that are behaving in a way that's different from their typical baseline. Those are the the be-all, end-all, rarefied destinations of information security when applied appropriately. It's just challenging to get there because of all of the hurdles that need to be uh, vaulted in between. And I imagine to some degree outside of incident response, you're seeing those outcomes as well to make things more efficient operationally. Absolutely. And I think you kind of hit on on the key, which is um, those, so those are, you know, yeah, those are kind of the the end destinations. uh, But the reality is that to get there in a cookie cutter way, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, you know, I'm just going to go and say it like, Every organization is different. And, you know, on that one customer, it turns out that, you know, the CEO uses like that part of the network. And if it gets blocked down, he's going to get mad. And, you know, all types of unique ways um, or unique setups. Like IT is just too, not too complicated, but it's just so complicated nowadays that this whole like, you know, box product approach, it's going to, you know, diminishing returns. So, I think that's where it's really important for vendors to um, to kind of realize that those external things are going to be needed, and they're going to be they're going to have to be customized, and they are um, the, you know the first class feature of having that flexibility uh, really has to be there, right? Uh, so that that's why you know for us it, it has meant things like. Um, the ability to uh, to stage payload, right? That was one of the the really big things um, in IR, but as well as in in you know other types of response, like uh, how we do memory dump, which is the idea that you know I have this executable or I have this MSI or this shell script, and it knows how to do things that that you know are not kind of LC Lima Charlie native. Um, but I still want to be able to integrate that into my automation and deploy them at scale and do things very easily and in a controlled way. And so that's why we added some of those features because, you know, they're, they're kind of points where we, we made the very clear distinction. Like, every, you know, we know exactly what's happening everywhere, but at this point, now it's up to you, right? Like you, you, you have the keys. We're not, we're not preventing you, but you have the keys to go and do the things that that you need needs to be, you know, needs to be done. The, yeah, getting to, because I think it's important to draw the distinction, right? Like automated activities, say during incident response uh, are one thing, Uh, you know, automation of, you know, blocks or other controls just during the normal course of business from, from disparate sources of information, right? Making inferences from, you know, your, your log correlation tool and your SIM tool and your IDS. Well, I mean, it's so difficult and almost, I mean, I don't know that we've run across a client that is mature enough to truly be able to take those. I mean, I guess you call them proactive actions, right? When there's an event that's correlated across a variety of systems, you know, block something, 
it's so prone to false positives. It's very difficult for people to feel comfortable doing that. But there's tremendous value here in sort of improving the efficiency of engineers and making a lot of those sort of more routine tasks a lot easier to do, right? Uh, I mean, the the ultimate goal, of course, is is that uh, is that orchestration and automation for your real time security. I I don't I don't think we have one customer that's in a position to be able to do that. Some try. I mean, to your to your point, Max. You know, it it will produce an outcome that is not desirable in many occasions. Right. Uh, but increasing the signal and reducing the noise is the ultimate prior goal, because then, then at least you can have more efficient review buyer upper tier analysts and avoid the legwork and drudgery of getting to that point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's how we get there, right? That, what, the, the, that, that utopia where like, you know, we automate these really complex things across many different sources. I think we're on the road to that. Um, but the way I see it is uh, as an industry, uh, you know, it comes, it goes back a little bit to the whole XDR thing, but uh, you know, we're, we got to take it one step at a time and learn as an industry, like, hey, how do you do this? How do you reason about this? And so the first step is like, okay, we're going to want to make decisions on a bunch of different data sources. Okay, let's let's start by having an easy way to bring all those data sources. And, and you know, then we're going to start to look at, you know, across them, you know, what, what does data look like? How can we automate getting signal from that? And then over time, I think, I think it's as an industry, we're going to get to the point where, uh, look, we, we've done this, you know, we've crawled long enough that we get a pretty good idea of what are the things that make sense for us to try to automate that way, or what are the real, you know, the real signals that we need, um, because it's it's entirely possible that uh, what's needed, we just don't have it today. Um, you know, I, I think we're kind of, we're, we're a lot of vendors are kind of, taking all of these, these data sources um, and kind of throwing them in a, in a bucket and just kind of sort of eyeballing plausible scenarios that how you could correlate this and, and block something. Um, but the delta between those plausible scenarios and the real life is there's a, you know, there's a lot of road to be done. Um, yeah. There, there are very few events generated by a platform that indicate confidence level. And there are very few platforms that generate multiple streams of data to validate conclusions or assertions made in an event. And I think that's the, the crux of it sometimes. Decisions are made inappropriately based on single data points when in reality they may have false positives easily determined with some supplemental context or alternatively, you know, a, a determined to be a false negative. So it cuts both ways and better data always produces better outcomes, generally speaking, as long as it can be reasoned appropriately and efficiently. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's where it's so exciting. Um, it, for me, it's very exciting to look at, you know, the type of system you kind of just described and and kind of, you know, make a hypothesis of what, what's that system going to look like? And, you know, I would be surprised if machine learning didn't somehow come, you know, come into play for that. Um, and that, but I, I think that's where, that's where machine learning and cybersecurity really truly is going to, you know, come into its own. Uh, it's when we get to those, those higher level, you know, decision-making um, that, that are just a lot more complex. And, you know, when we have hundreds of different solutions, uh, like different streams coming in, I don't think we know what that system is right now. Um, yeah, we're going to get there. So, 
we I think we're 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 over our normal time here. So I want to I, I kind of want to be respectful to our our typical podcast format. Uh, you know, Max, anything that you want to say, sort of in closing, or you know anything any if there's one message you want to get out, you know anything you want to try to to say here. Yeah, um, that that message is that, you know, from our perspective, everybody's welcome. Uh, I think we're part of the new generation of of cybersecurity tools that that tries to empower, really, um, and to do that in an easy way. So, you know, get in touch if you have uh, if you have ideas, um, you're excited about the idea of, of, you know, where where that's leading in AWS, like a cybersecurity kind of thing. Uh, Get in touch. We just love chatting with people. Yeah. you know, my, my, I feel like my takeaway listening to this is we're all on a team of sort of the good guys here. And, you know, you're, you're pushing a platform of, of sort of interoperability and, and cooperation, which I think that I honestly, I think the security space needs. We're seeing we're starting to see the space mature some. I think uh, the ability to utilize disparate tools to for to some degree, right? maybe this sounds grandiose, but for the greater good, I think is important. So. Uh, and I think you know, you're you're on that path with what you're doing, and, and you know, I say I appreciate that. So, uh, Matt, Steve, anything, anything in conclusion? I, I like where I like where this vision you have is going. Uh, I, I hope to see a lot more companies doing it. I, I like the open nature and the the kind of uh, hey, here's the platform, you know, come use it, let it speak for itself, and uh, do something nice with it, right? As tool builders ourselves, it's it's always sort of encouraging and enlightening to see others take what, you know, we don't have the time to do. <laughs> so we appreciate that as well. There you go. Uh, awesome. what, what I needed to do is actually, if you're going to take the bad parts of my job, it needs to be able to read and respond to my email. So if you can develop that, that would be hugely helpful. Um, so Max, thanks for joining today. I, I appreciate it. I, I think it's been an interesting podcast. Uh, as always, you know, if, if, I, th- I think the, the, the listener base is probably a little bit different for this one. So if people have you know comments or questions, reach out to us at uh, Vancord on LinkedIn or Vancord Security on Twitter. Uh, we're happy to have a follow-up conversation, uh, certainly bring Max back if there's interest. Uh, and as always, we hope you got some, some value out of this and uh, you know, have a great day. Stay vigilant. Stay resilient. This has been CyberSound.